What's up, Internet? You're tuned into episode 87 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast, where a lifelong, where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and of course, how it all makes us feel. Your regular host, Pete and Bessie's dead. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. <laughs> you went from being concussed in the grave. <laughs> Fuck. That's a leap. Yeah, well, that's Andy, you know? That's what pirates do. Yar, har, fiddle dee do what you like, because a pirate is free. Uh, no, Pete's just out of town this weekend. He'll be back next week uh, to carry us into the new year. But on this, the last episode of 2018... I'm Andy Brown, and I'm holding down the fort with our good old pals, the Guildmaster, Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. And, of course, the Edgelord with the heart and hair of gold, Mr. Robert Thompson. <laughs> oh, I like how you added the hair part. Thank you. I feel I feel appreciated. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we should all recognize hair that is the same color as mm. precious metal. And my heart. <laughs> how are we doing this week, boyos? Uh, it's been a it's been a long week. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. one thousand percent aligned with that. It's the end of the year, and you know uh, those weeks are always the longest ones, right? Because there's so much running around and stuff to do before you close out the year. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm feeling the same way, man. There's there is a lot of like end year tension that just popped up. <laughs> On the other hand, when those long weeks and cold nights get to us, we always can turn to video games for warmth and solace. <laughs> That's definitely true. You're damn right. That's what I've been doing in between. Yeah. So, what have you been playing, Thompson? Well, one of the many bullshit games I've been playing has been Stellaris. You play so many bullshit games. I know. I know. That's the problem. (laughs) So, like, yeah, what's newsworthy to even talk about half the time? It's. But, um, yeah, Stellaris' Megacorp DLC came out, and with every DLC from Paradox, there's an actual gameplay update. And based on that, I didn't get Megacorp because that shit is not on sale. So I went back and got Apocalypse, which was the last DLC. This is how Paradox rolls, and this is how I roll. <laughs> um, but all the features for Megacorp are there, which are really fucking cool. Um, if you... I think I was a little critical on the last major update, like last year as well. So if you heard me say that, I'm going to rescind it and say that they've probably done one of the best updates I've seen, especially for this game. Uh, Damn. Planets are, like, obviously where your people come from and like what you do and like what you want to colonize, but they're in the game kind of like irrelevant. Um, You know, you get a fleet and and that's it. Like you just need a fleet and guess what? The plane is bombarded and you're done. Or, you know, you could just build your own habitats or something. But in this game, planets matter a lot more. There is like a civ kind of district feel to it. Um, Populations have jobs, like levels of jobs, like specialists or workers or rulers, and they'll demote and promote between them. And if you've ever played Victoria 2, which is another Paradox game, it's very similar to that system. Uh, it's trying to essentially create an in-game economy. Like, hey, you've got a planet that does nothing but minerals. Like, everyone there is just dying of smog. And, like, that is now kind of translated into the game. Um, the planets will get titles like Forge World or Agri World because it's like, this planet's just farms or just, you know. I have a planet. Like a lot. It's really cool. It's it was It took me and a friend, like, two hours to really understand it but once i did like holy shit this it was so much more in-depth feeling you know but it didn't make it feel like the game was harder in any way just kind of was like here's another layer to it another strategic layer like you can do single planet strategies not nearly as viable but you can do it in a way that's kind of cool now like there's a guy world beginning where it's like your planet is just the maximum level of size. It's a perfect world created by the gods themselves. And your entire race is just like, this is great. 
but you can't colonize other <laughs> shit because your entire race is like built on a Gaia world, um, wow. which is, you know, it's, it's good and bad, you know? Um, Stellaris continues to be the most intimidating game I own and sometimes play. There's just so much going on there. Honestly, having played Victoria 2, I would gladly go back to any other Paradox game. Like, I love Victoria 2 now that I understand it, but the the hair pulling to get it to work was a little ridiculous. Um, it, it's just trying to make a world economy work is insane. But Solaris implements the good stuff from that now, and fleets have, like, Titans and shit from Apocalypse, so, like, you can build really really ridiculous fleets now and combat was changed in 2.0 so that like war goals and uh you don't necessarily take an entire empire when you fight because on the galactic scale that's pretty hard to do so now with that and the planet system it's really interesting when you like actually take an enemy planet uh there is a lot of unrest people are like you know really pissed off they can rebel much quicker so I got around that by making a machine race that turns all organic people into bioreactors. So I matrixed everyone that I killed, you know? <laughs> so I was yeah. like, yeah. So I made a Skynet yeah. that wanted nothing to do with anything, but everyone kept attacking me and I kept running out of energy. And then I found the bioreactor and I was like, hmm, food. I can't make food or like, I can't use food, but like I can make it and organics can be turned into it. Hmm. <laughs> so I found okay. my energy. Yes. You have become that which you fear most. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm well aware. I'm not proud. I, you're <laughs> scaring me, man. Hey, that race was the Dark Mechanicus from Warhammer. If you know anything about that, that's their whole shtick is that they just want to, you know, consume the galaxy essentially for uh, technology and shit. And this is what I did. If anyone gets in my way, you get turned into the soup. So that was a good playthrough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, 2.2, Megacorp, all that shit. Um, can't wait to make Rob. Uh, Mom's Friendly Robot Company, and uh, call it Rob's Friendly Robot Company because that's what I want to do. I mean, I'm glad that you found a game that lets you live out your darkest fantasies. <laughs> so, I've been playing a little of NBA 2K19, and Sean, I know oh, you're the only other you person that plays sports games on this podcast. Have you played it? Hello? Oh, did you? Fuck. You guys just both froze on me. You, you froze on me. You froze on me. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, like, um, a robot kind of... Yeah, I. Yeah. so it was probably a freeze on my end, but my apologies. I'll, I'll respond here in a moment. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I actually have not played this one. This is the first that I'm skipping. Uh, oh, so wow. I haven't touched it. How is it? Um, I like it a lot. Um, I didn't actually buy it. I'm just home playing on my brother's PlayStation as one does, <laughs> but yeah, I started up the, the, my career mode, which is the best sports RPG in sports RPGs. <laughs> and I like it a lot more than the past couple years that I've played. And I, I think that 2k has toned down the grind to a reasonable amount and made it feel like it's possible for me to you know, have fun playing it without dumping money into their virtual currency, which I really appreciate. Mm. Awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, my biggest issue with the last one and the one before that was that I just wasn't in love with the gameplay. So I, I, I kind of feel like every year they just change it for the sake of, 
and that started okay. to get frustrating. <clears throat> um, you know, a, a tweak here or there, speed wise, or a different button or whatever, it just always felt like it was getting out of hand. How do you feel about the gameplay with this one? Uh, the gameplay with this one is. It feels pretty much in line with uh, 2K17 and 18, which are the only other two two that I've played. They changed the way that um, they added a, a takeover meter, which uh, sort of changes the way that hot and cold streaks work. You can uh, build up a hot streak and you go cold a lot less quickly. Ah, okay. Which, as someone who does not have the button timing down for any three-point shot ever... <laughs> All my guys not going cold whenever I try to shoot a three is great. <laughs> so in certain prior games, they had it to where characters would get hot and cold based on their personality. And I really, really love that. So like, for example, Kobe Bryant had a very hard time getting cold because he would just... Right, because he's you know, Kobe. Exactly. Um, whereas someone like uh, Jody Meeks might go cold after one or two shots but would but if he got on a hot streak he would stay hot so like i loved how knowledge of basketball actually factored is that a thing in this game uh it might be i haven't played enough in the in the larger team context i've spent basically all my time doing the my career got you which is super fleshed out i've been playing for like eight hours and haven't sniffed the nba yet which i think is pretty cool Wow, so it's pretty yeah. robust. Yeah, it's pretty robust. Your character like flames out in the draft, goes to play in China for a couple years, then you come back and play for the G League. That's wow. Funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty cool, and they do that weird two K thing where they get random celebrities and comedians to come in and like do cameos as coaches. Who have you encountered? Uh, Anthony Mackie, aka the Falcon of MCU, nice. is. Uh, he's a big mysterious scout who shows up every couple games and is like, hey, I'm watching you. You might be able to make it to the NBA someday. <laughs> Gotta mm. have those guys. If the code aligns, one day you'll get yeah. there. There's no Michael B. Jordan as uh, the other rookie on your team like there was in uh, 2K17. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not directed by Spike Lee like 2K16 was, which I always thought was the weirdest thing. That was real? It was actually directed by Spike Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Spike Lee came in and was like, I'm directing NBA's story mode this year. I guess that's cool. It was a thing. <laughs> it's it's always super weird when they put like a ton of story on top of just like, I want to you know make a basketball player who plays for my favorite team, and then that's me playing for the 76ers or whatever. Yeah, I, uh, I've never actually gotten into the story mode of any of these games. Um... Because it's not, I don't know, I just want to play ball, pretty much. Yeah, I get you. I get you. <laughs> so, but I understand why they're there, and I think that's cool for people who want that, for sure. Oh, yeah. I, like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a sports game as robust as the 2K series is, because they put all this effort into the story mode, and then it's like, oh, well, if you don't want that, the my GM mode is also really robust. Or right. just, like, hit play now and play online, or I don't know if they have an ultimate team like the EA Sports games do. With like you buy packs what, of players. What would that as what cards. would that mean? Um, so Madden and FIFA at least have a mode called Ultimate Team, where you buy like trading card packs of players. Oh yes, it does have that. Okay. Or at least prior prior games did. I, I would imagine they carried that over. 
Yeah, because I'm sure it makes them a ton of money. Like, it does <laughs> for, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. it sounds like you're enjoying it. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm sure that if we sat down to play a game, you'd kick my ass. I'm not so sure about that, man. I didn't play the last one too much, and this one I didn't play at all. So, well, we'll have to find out. On uh, we'll come down to Tom's River. We'll shoot a pal's play. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Two K while I'm home. <laughs> awesome. All right, so that's it for what we're playing. If you want to let us know what you're playing or give us your thoughts on those games, you want to talk about that Solaris expansion that sounds awesome, you want to say, oh, man, you guys are both trash at 2K. I'll show you both up. Uh, hit us up at thevideogamepals at gmail.com, or you can follow our sister show at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. And if you like the show, if you dig what we're doing, we'd really appreciate it if you went over to Apple Podcasts, where we're currently a five-star rated podcast. And you help us keep that going. If you're a YouTube listener, if you want to subscribe to us, hit that notification bell to get informed whenever we put up a new show, some new content like Thompson and Pete's excellent Pals Play series. That would also be great. And most importantly, if you're our pal, you want to share us with your pals so they can be our pals too, uh, we'd really appreciate that. As my good friend Sean Bartley likes to say, it helps us a lot more than it costs you. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And so, that's it for all the business stuff, and now, it's time oh, no. for the random question of the week! Mm. I like oh, that. well that was different. Yeah. <laughs> that was a different energy. Yeah, I, you know, I play around with it. I don't want to just be Pete, I want to be my own guy. Even though I claimed to be Pete at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> You're wearing his skin quite well. <laughs> so... As we sit recording this, it's two days before Christmas. This episode's going to go up, I think, the day after Christmas. It's the Christmas season. So I got I got thinking about wish lists. And with 2019 coming up, 2018's in the books, it's over, it's done. I want to <laughs> know, what's your wish list for video games next year? Hmm. Well. Well, well, well. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts, that's that's an easy one. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't wait for that game. I mean, come on. We've been waiting for that game for uh, well over a decade at this point. So that's that's right up there for me. Yeah, I, I know that there are people out there in the world playing, like, stolen copies of Kingdom Hearts 3 right now. Yeah. Which is a shame, but I still won't believe it's real and done <laughs> until it's in someone I know's hands. Exactly. Until it's in my hands, because they yeah. could be in on it too. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Damn. Pete was all in on the uh, the Square Enix <laughs> prank. <laughs> I believe it. I mean, you claimed he's dead. We don't know where the fuck he is now. Oh my god! Exactly. He's been a Square Enix deep plant this whole time. Ten years of friendship <laughs> down the drain. <laughs> Honestly, man, um, are we allowed to? Uh, talk about games that we don't know are coming out like games we know oh, yeah. are announced but okay yeah um because metroid prime 4 would be there Ooh, there you oh, go yeah i would you be satisfied with if it's not coming out in 2019 would you be satisfied with like more gameplay info and a concrete release date yeah man i'm honestly not one of those people who gets super antsy about release dates things come when they when they're ready and, and when they're good so, yeah, if that's all they have for 2019, that's perfectly fine. Just you want cool. them to mention it 
more than the zero times in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would appreciate it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, again, like if, if we didn't hear about it at all, um, that would be weird, but I wouldn't throw a fit because I wait. I will wait a long time for quality. I've waited a long time for Kingdom Hearts for, without <laughs> hearing hide nor hair and didn't complain. And I'm still waiting on the new Tool album. So, <sighs> what, you know, whatever it takes. <sighs> you too, Thompson? No, it's just amazing to hear that you have those two in the same sentence. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um, the... One of the biggest games I'm actually excited for is just coming out in, like, January anyway. Battlefield Gothic 2, I know I've mentioned it, but, like, god damn, do I want to play that game? So that's, like, right there. So that's that's guaranteed for me. So to make back uh, what I'm sure is a, a pretty hefty development budget, the two dozen of you who played the first Battlefield Gothic yeah. will all have to buy, like, 18,000 copies, right? Wait, did you cut out? Oh, did I cut out? I don't know. He said I didn't hear. I'll, it. Yeah. I'll take another pass at that joke. Yes. <laughs> so to make back what I'm sure is a pretty hefty development budget, the two dozen of you that played the first Battlefleet Gothic will all have to buy like eighteen thousand copies, right? Oh God. So, uh, um, yeah. So a lot of people were really like pissy about the first game for like the two DLC packs they released, which like I, I get it, you know, like sure they were a little more expensive but like the fact that this game has everything in it i feel is just them saying like sorry <laughs> like, just take it like we really did put as much as we can into this and i think it's got a much more uh happy community and movement behind it because i've seen lots and lots of positive stuff and more people played this in the beta than they did in the first game so <laughs> i mean i'm happy about it so far um yeah yeah man i'm i'm definitely like I'm going to be on that one when it comes out. Um, Ooh, you got anything else up there that you're oh, looking yeah. forward to? Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's coming out this year, but, like, fucking that's our next year. Atomic Heart, that, uh, like, Russian Bioshock game. Oh, yeah. I will, yes. Oh, I forgot that existed. I, I will yeah. fucking die for that game because I am like, one of the biggest Bioshock, and that aesthetic just kills me. Like, I... Same same vein, uh, the Metro game that's coming out. I fucking love the Metro series. I don't know what it is with me and these weird Russian games, but I love them. Um, so that's two. Um, I got to give my props to Sekiro because I I absolutely love From Software. And this is, for me, going to be really interesting because it's a From Software game that doesn't have multiplayer. So like they can actually focus on the story. Um, not that they didn't, but I mean, it's, it's, just, it's a, like a true single-player game, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, to play, like, a Souls, like, just straight-up single-player with, like, verticality involved, like, holy crap, my mind is exploding already. Uh, so, yeah, I think those are probably my biggest ones. There's... Oh, and Resident Evil 2, I mean, I don't know when that hell is coming out, but, like, the remake for Resident Evil 2... it's also coming out in, like, January. It's gonna be a big January for games. I mean, uh, Battlefield Gothic is the 24th, so... If it's anywhere close to that, I, unfortunately, I'm not playing Resident Evil early then, I guess. Or if it comes out before it, I'll play it. So if it comes out after the 24th, I'm not playing anything for at least two weeks. Oh, yeah, it comes out the 25th. Well, not playing Resident Evil for two weeks. <laughs> at least this will somewhere in February. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, but then February comes around, and I know you're looking forward to Anthem. Speaking of that, are you looking forward to his? <laughs> nope. Great. We're on the same I, page. Um, yeah. No, I'm not looking forward to Anthem. I'm sorry. I don't think anything about that game looks good. Like, 
that game looks competent but soulless. Yeah, yeah, it does. I and I, I, I don't want to play a game like that. I have. I'd the, much rather the, play like a janky seven with heart. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I mean, I'd still, listen though. Like, I, I would respect a janky seven with heart, like Conan Exiles, because I'd have friends to play it with. But I know everyone's gonna be like Anthem, meh. and so like the jokes aren't there, the memes aren't there, the game, like you said, got no heart. There's no reason for me to pick it up, you know? It, I respect it for what it is. I respect the studio. We talked about this before, actually, when I think about it. Well, I'm sure we have. We've had pretty much the same thoughts on Anthem since they announced it, I think, collectively. <laughs> but it's like I keep forgetting about it, so then we talk about it. It's like, oh, yeah, we talked about that. Shit. <laughs> there you go, Anthem. <laughs> yeah. So I guess for me, the biggest one on my list is I'd love to see Wargroove actually get released. Andy, stop. I got a goddamn Switch for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, it's never coming out. I think out. they announced it in the Switch presentation. They did! And that's why and I was like, I'm wow. sold. Yeah, they still don't have a release date nailed down. They keep putting out, like, gameplay trailers of just gorgeous pixel art, um, uh, Advanced Wars with dragons. Yeah, Advanced Wars with four factions with fantasy elements, and it's like, yeah, I bought a Switch because of that. I mean, not, I'm actually not kidding. Like, that really was what sold me on the Switch. The fact that I could have Advanced Wars again. <laughs> I don't have it yet. But they're That's they're putting problem. it out as a multi-plat, though. I, well, you know, at the time, I was like, it's on the Switch, fuck it, I don't even care. <laughs> Just the idea was so cool, you know? Yeah. I'm getting it on the Switch um, when it comes out now. I'm fucking stuck. I'm, this is the hill I die on, so. The, the hill. That's it? Well. That's... <laughs> <it. laughs> you get into some other games, like I Divine Cyberman, so you want to spend 99 cents on a trippy game. Let's, let's talk about that one. <laughs> oh, Lord. What have I played? <laughs> All right. So I think that's our wish lists. If you want to give us yours again, you can email us at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. And if you're nice to us, we'll read it on the air. We love getting mail. And we'd love to hear, you know, if there's something that slipped past our radar and you want us to shout it out, that'd be super cool. So... I think that makes it time for the news. The news. We talking about the news. The news. The news. We talking about the news. <laughs> All right. So our first news story this week uh, is a follow-up to something we talked about a couple weeks ago. It's been probably the the biggest gaming story in terms of like widespread reach. Uh, the Fortnite lawsuits have gotten bigger. And have gotten probably the most famous plaintiff they're going to get. Alfonso Ribeiro, the actor who played Carlton on The Fresh Prince, is suing Epic Games and 2K. Ooh, for, double whammy. Yep. Uh, for putting and selling uh, emotes of the Carlton dance, as it's popularly known. Or just known. I don't know if there's a different name for it. Um, in their games. Without... Uh, Holy shit, I can't think of the... Credit? I'm sorry, I'm gonna... <laughs> I, I, yeah, credit or compensation was what I meant to say, but I just completely blanked. I'm gonna go back. That's what happens when you wear uh, Pete's skin too long. Yeah. Oh god, Pete's skin! <laughs> it's itchy! <laughs> uh, so we're gonna follow up on a new story we talked about a couple weeks ago that's probably the biggest uh, gaming story in the wider news right now. The Fortnite lawsuits got bigger and got a more famous plaintiff than Two Millie. Sorry, Two Millie. 
Alfonso Ribeiro, who played Carlton on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, is suing both Epic Games and 2K Games, which is a new defendant in this suit, for using the Carlton dance as a purchasable emote in their games without credit or compensation to him. He is in the midst of registering the copyright for this dance, according to his attorney David Hecht of Pierce Bainbridge Beck Price and Hecht LLP is the law firm who is also representing uh, Tumili in his lawsuit against Epic Games. Uh, Hecht says, It's widely recognized that Mr. Riverio's likeness and intellectual property have been misappropriated by Epic Games in the most popular video game currently in the world, Fortnite. He continues, Epic has earned record profits off of downloadable content in the games, including emotes like Fresh, yet Epic has failed to compensate or even ask permission from Mr. Riberio for the use of his likeness and intellectual property. Um, and I'm going to roll right into the second one because it's the same thing. There's another plaintiff, the Backpack Kid, whose real name is... Oh, the Backpack Dance thing? Yep, mm. the Backpack Kid whose real name is not in this article I'm looking at. It's just talking about him as Backpack Kid. So it's Backpack Kid. Um, <laughs> who's famous for the making the floss dance go viral when he upstaged Katy Perry on Saturday Night Live a couple years ago, is also suing 2K and Epic for putting the dance in their games without compensation or credit. He's also represented by David Hecht of mm-hmm. Pierce Bainbridge, Beck, Price, and Hecht, LLP. And so... I don't think any of these lawsuits are going to be big winners for the plaintiffs involved um, because of the way the law is. And uh, whether or not that's the way it should be, I think that is what it is. I think that the Backpack Kid probably has the worst case considering that there's videos from like 2012 of people flossing. So he's got a, a rough claim to having invented the dance. And Carlton probably has the best claim. But... I don't want to talk about, you know, copyright law. I just, what do you guys think should be the outcome here? So, first of all, the kid's name is Russell Horning. Russell Horning? kid. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and he's 17 years old. So, uh, according to him, he doesn't even know what's going on with the lawsuit. All he knows is that his mom is taking care of it. His mom and their their legal team, so it just on that on that particular one it kind of seems like a cash in, uh, especially because he he definitely didn't come up with a dance. I mean he popularized it. So, uh, but you know we we already we already talked about this as far as like what the outcome should be. Is that that was your question, right? Yeah, like what do you want to see happen? I mean, I, I want to see people get compensated for what they what they've you know created what they've popularized but legally i don't know that epic has to do so i just i think to get some heat off their back you know why not shout these people out in the game throw them a few bucks epic is making money hand over fist would it really be such a big deal to pay alfonso Ribeiro some i mean now they're in court but to pay the guy something to say, hey, you know, we love your dance. We're profiting off of it. You know, it wouldn't be popular without you. Here's, you know, some recognition within the game and here's some money. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. more than reasonable. I would love to see that happen or maybe even like a 
That was some kind of epic creators program. Like, hey, if you have a cool dance, you can submit it to us. And, like, if we use it as an emote in the game, we'll give you credit for it. Yeah, even on that yeah. note, I, I feel like this may not have gotten as far as it did if there was credit from the start. You know, I don't know if people would have sought compensation if if they would have at least been credited. I'm, I feel like at, at the very least you could do that, you know. Because um, I don't think, like, the suit's going to work out either, but I, I think... If, if anything comes out of this, even the suit failing, I just feel like they should at least make a nod to the people that are, you know, helping make tons of money for them. And it's not going to hurt them to just say like, hey, this was popularized by this guy, you know, or, or whatever, you know, whatever scenario it is. It's just just a little footnote, you know. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe that won't happen at all. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think if they weren't selling the emotes, then there wouldn't be an issue. I For think sure, that's yeah. the biggest problem here, because I saw a compilation on Reddit of all these different games that have used you know, the, the like for example, the Carlton Dance, and there have been several games that have used it, uh, and this issue to my knowledge, never come up before. Nope. I think it's partially a product of the time, but I really think, because all the other games that were listed weren't selling emote packs. I really feel like that's the crux of the issue. I guess where money's involved, you know, then it gets tricky, so... Yeah, yeah. I think it's... It might just be because, like, they're selling these a la carte, so... Like, if there's an emote pack in the game that just, like, launches, and it's like, oh, I paid $60 for Diablo, and I can unlock the ability for my character to do the Carlton, versus, oh yeah, Fortnite's free, I paid $6 for the Carlton. Mm. You can right. you can point to okay so they sold the Carlton dance eight hundred thousand times at six dollars a pop, yeah. And I, like I think that is uh, notably different, but I am not sure this lawsuit's going to work out super well for anyone that isn't David Hecht, <laughs> the lawyer who's now representing all three plaintiffs. Yeah, you talk about somebody who's playing their cards right. Now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought maybe it might be, uh, you know, sensible to have a different perspective on it. But I'm sure that you know, at his law firm, there's fifty thousand lawyers working behind him trying to get every little bit. But yeah, they're definitely they're definitely in the right spot. If anyone's winning, it's the lawyers right now. Yeah. So uh, we'll keep you posted if there's a resolution on that, or just if more people sign on to sue Epic Games. Uh, but there doesn't seem to be much more to talk about right now. So let's talk about some fun news. Uh, after Marvel Spider-Man list of suits available for Spider-Man to wear came out, people noticed that the iconic Sam Raimi Spider-Man suit was missing from the game and were not happy about it. And Sony gave us an early Christmas present this week with a surprise drop of that Sam Raimi suit in Marvel's Spider-Man. That's fucking awesome, man. (laughs) It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, PlayStation got on Twitter the other day, said, Surprise! It's time to party like it's 2002. A certain suit is now available in hashtag Spider-Man PS4. Yes, that suit. Wow. I'm actually really surprised by this. Man, they were getting so much hate for not having put this out. Um, and I I mean, it's cool for everybody who, you know, really cared. But this is one of those instances where, you know, gamers really, really cried a lot to get this. Yeah. 
that it struck me sort of the same way the Waluigi not being in Smash Backlash did, where it's like nobody was loud about this until they found out they weren't getting it. Right. It was kind of random, honestly. Yeah. I didn't even realize people were crying out for this. So, yeah, it is random even for me. Like, I thought from the last thing I heard, this game was well-received. Everyone liked it. It was up for Game Awards. I didn't know people were having any trouble with it. All that's true, except for the part where people just wanted this costume. It's, it's, it's the only, that's the only major complaint I've heard post release. That's is that this costume's not in the game. Yeah. Well, hey, then there should be no complaints, right? They got it. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, after you. Uh, I was gonna say it's very cool that it's in it. I love this costume. I think a lot of people do, as evidenced by the outrage. But uh, this is just a case of, I mean. Gamers being, you know, entitled. I, I'm one of those people who often comes into these conversations on the other side because I think the word entitled gets thrown around just as often as people actually are entitled. Like, it gets thrown around wrongly just as often as people actually are displaying it. And I think this is a case where absolutely fan base went over the line. Uh, these people put their heart and souls into this game. Quite frankly, for them to have been able to put the costume out, they probably were working on it from before the outrage started. That's the funniest part about it, is that they couldn't announce it because they obviously wanted to do something cute for Christmas, and as a developer, think about how that must feel that you're getting shit on for something you're actually working on, you can't say it. So Yeah, that. Ooh, I didn't even think about it like that. Wow. Kind of sours it. Yeah, I think that, honestly, I think that after, maybe it's just me, I don't think Sony's had as great of a year PR-wise as they've had the past couple years between canceling PSX and the, oh yeah, you can finally change your names, but it's a shit show and sometimes it doesn't work that that have happened in the past couple months. And crossplay. And crossplay. I think it's, this was an easy win for Sony. I think they were, they were smart to take it. And just be like, hey, Spider-Man, you like that, right? <laughs> Remember that time you weren't mad at us? Well, be happy again. <laughs> yeah, this was their, yeah. I would say, their biggest win of the year, this game. This and God of War, oh, right? Yeah, oh my god. So That's like, damn, this and God of War in the same year is big. Yeah. And Detroit, but that was not as beloved as this or God of War. Yeah. Still fun. There, there was a yeah. There was some, uh, some 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 negatives surrounding that particular game. Yeah, but it was it was a big year for Sony exclusives, and I'm glad to see that Sony PR is finally starting to get in on that big year. Oh, it's only oh. what eight days to go at the time yeah, of this recording. Days. So <laughs> eight days to go. I mean, hey, it, it, they'll get it right this year. They'll get it right. So from Sony exclusives to Microsoft exclusives, we got some new details on Halo Infinite this week. I've never heard of this Microsoft exclusive. What? You, what is this? Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. That hurt. You didn't play Sea of Thieves because you don't know. Uh, you don't know, man. It's not a Microsoft. Well, no, Microsoft. Sorry, not Xbox exclusive. Well, it's yeah. on the PC. So <laughs> nothing's Xbox exclusive anymore. All Microsoft's exclusives launch day one on PC as well. Ooh. Tuned in. <laughs> So, uh, 343 Industries, the current developers on Halo, had a live stream earlier this week where they uh, talked some details on their upcoming Halo Infinite, which is the sixth mainline game in Microsoft's flagship series, which is like 
It feels like there have been way more Halo games. I guess they were spin-offs and don't really count. Two but... Halo Wars and Two Halo Wars, Reach, ODST. Yeah, Reach is considered to be a spin-off, even though it's like very core storyline. Oh well. And the best Halo game. Uh, I would I would agree with you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone hates that game, but I love it, so whatever. Yeah. Most importantly, uh, they announced that Halo Infinite will have four player split screen. Yes. Which was something that was sorely missing from Halo 5. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, they also said they're going to have an armor customization system based on Reach. All right. And a special reward for players that le- reach uh, level 152 in Halo 5, but didn't say what that is. Um, so it's going to Xbox and PC when it releases, like I just said. They still don't have a release date. And just this is that enough to get you guys if you were ever into halo before and have since fallen off is that enough to get you guys thinking about halo again god no <laughs> um i i couldn't care less about this i think i like the idea of halo being around and being successful for whatever reason uh i'm just into that but I don't care about Halo. Like, I'm not... Like, the ga- the actual playing of the games, I don't care about that. But I like it to be out there doing well. I think part of it is probably because for so many of the years that I was growing up, Halo was the dominant game. And I wasn't into it. But just the fact that it was there, you know, that that it was this big giant, um, it was cool. So I like that. I hope that this game does well and everything, but uh, I will probably not play this game um, unless I get the new Xbox because it's such a great console. <laughs> and in which case, I somehow really decide I care about Halo, and they really <laughs> sell me because I don't care about shooters at all right now. So fair, fair. fair. Um. Yeah, so I'm not like a Halo fanatic. I do love the games, and I have played up until like buying them. I bought up till Reach, and just kind of didn't feel it after Reach. You know, four was just kind of like, well, my friend got it, so we went through the story, and I didn't feel the need to get it. And I was kind of like pulling out of the multiplayer scene, and like I really do love single player storyline shooters, and I know that sounds crazy because everyone buys them for multiplayer, but you know that's where I grew up. I guess I. I like to have that experience and like, I really love sci-fi. So like Halo is just perfect. You know, it actually had a story, you know, something has lore that had books and like, I, I'm very engrossed into the story more than I ever was with the gameplay even. But, um, last two games didn't really do it for me. So if they have four player co-op, like that's really great. But at the same time, I'm at the point now where I'm like, shit, I don't know if I can get three other people here to do that anymore. Um, that was like one of the biggest fun, great points of Halo, you know, just, just sitting around with friends doing that and everything's online now. So that's cool. They're bringing it back, but I don't know if it's even necessary anymore. Like I'm excited for it, but cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> it can't hurt to have my best. Ha- one that? of my best Halo memories are actually from Halo. It's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then we, we all just got together and sat on a couch and played Halo for eight hours. Yeah, man. Yeah. Or like, like I like the the split screen when I was like let's let's do legendary tonight and everybody was just like fuck yeah we're gonna we're gonna do legendary you know and like you just you just dive into that shit you know and that was that was always just a blast getting I don't know like just having your friends there to to, to rage at getting sniped by another jackal for the eight thousandth time was was fun for me 
and the armor customization is cool that they're bringing back. So like, these are all good points. You know, I just got to see what the enemies are. Like I sorely, sorely miss fighting flood and covenant. I know covenant are like still part of the games, but it's not the same. I don't know. It's not the same knowing like, man, my race is being destroyed by a pure puritanical like faction that, you know, like, like the fight for humanity isn't there, you know, like it, there's the gravitas of the series is definitely waned. So that's, yeah. So we'll see where we're fighting. Wasn't a big fan of the last enemies, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Especially because there's only three of them. So, (laughs) Mm. so my, my one quick follow-up before we move on is, do you guys think it's possible for Halo to sort of regain its crown? Is Halo a relic of a bygone era or is it something that's lying dormant, but is poised to make a comeback? I feel like, the Halo story is something that I don't know how I don't know how much we actually regarded it when those games were coming out, but I think the story is kind of cool, and I think if you tweaked it a bit and if you sort of you know modernized it a little bit, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff there, and. People could get invested in that. I, th- I think presenting it as a game where story really, really matters is one way that a gamer like myself who doesn't really care so much about what Halo presents as a multiplayer game, but I read the whole Halo story on Wikipedia because I, I liked it so much. So um, if they sold me on that, that could work, at least in my case. And... Uh, in, but in general, for mainstream gamers, I don't see a reason why a really strong Halo game can't make a comeback for the series. I absolutely believe it's possible. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Like, it's, I know it's dormant right now, and I think people might see it as a relic, but I I have no doubt in my mind that if they pull the right cards and just change a couple things, you know, and like, like modernize it, like you said, Sean, like really it's, it's ready to have its limelight again. I think it has been, you know, on a, on a downward slope long enough that, you know, it's like the Assassin's Creed games. People were like, you know, okay, we're, we're kind of good with these until, you know, they took a step back and made a, a better experience, you know, and, and they were well-received, you know, and like the last two have been two of the best, supposedly. I haven't played them, but, <laughs> Um, I, I hear nothing but great shit about Odyssey, you know, nothing but that. So I don't oh, see Odyssey's incredible, right? So I don't, I really don't see how a game like Halo that's been around just as long as something like that has just as many games as something like that. And other games have done this before too, you know. We've got like a Call of Duty for the last fourteen years every year, and it still sells. There's no reason Halo can't do something to stand out and say like, hey, it's Halo, it's it's back, or you know. It, it doesn't because I think the biggest deal, like honestly, is that they keep trying to say like, "Oh, look, we did this new thing or that new thing," and it's just like, it's going so far. The last two, at least, have gone so far from where we grew up on it that it doesn't necessarily have to be something crazy unique every time. You know, like I want to go fight some flood. I know the story is absolutely insane right now where they are, and I know this is probably going to continue that story. So flood are like probably not even on the table again, but like just find a way to write them in. You know what I mean? Just like they were fun <laughs> to kill. You know, they were they were a core experience. I, I think you you are missing out not having them. You know, I think that is the moment in the game where in Halo One where you find the helmet. You know, and like you're looking at the video. That shit was fucking scary back then. You know, you're like, what the fuck are these things? And everyone's screaming, and, and now you got to fight other aliens. And next thing, 
you know, you're you're halfway through the game and you're like, I'm a seasoned covenant hunting machine, and then all of a sudden you see the covenant running and you're like, the fuck? And then you gotta like do that shit. It was a blast, you know. It just it was you knew it was coming, but you just didn't know how it was coming, you know. And every, and every game after that did a, I think a well, I think they did a really well job of just putting them into the game, making it make sense, you know. But then the last ones, it's just like it, it's a bonkers fucking crazy world we live in after that. So, I mean, God of War came out this year. Yeah, yeah. That that franchise was extremely dead, it's stale as hell. And yeah, and they put out a game that was game of the year. Right. So it, it, there's no reason for me to believe that Halo, which in its heyday was a bigger franchise than pretty much any other, can't do the same thing. Yeah, and like this is the year that I've had Venom that looked, you know, it was pretty good. And like Detective Pikachu looked great. And I'm just like, okay, every fucking expectation I've had, <laughs> like I admit, I'm never really like throw caution to the wind, this shit will work out. But I'm at the point now where if you were like, hey, Halo can come back, yeah. It can, because I've seen it happen with so many other things that I thought were going to be shit, and other games like God of War come out, and it's fucking game of the year. Like, I didn't think God of War was going to be nearly... I don't think anyone did. Nearly as good as it was, but um, that just that just proves it could be done, you know? And I think there is certainly space for a dominant shooter to come out, because as much as I love Battlefield, as much as I love everything else, I feel like that market needs a kick in the pants, you know? I really do. Yeah, I one of my favorite things about Halo as a series is that it's always been Halo. Yeah, for sure. Like even when Call of Duty and Battlefield took over, it didn't turn into like a Twitch thing. Yeah. And I I don't know. I hope that it can find room in the market and still be Halo the same way God of War did, even though it like it changed up the formula and what it was but that core of like you're kratos you're gonna go kill mythology still but now you're sad about it <laughs> but now you're sad that's a really good way to paraphrase that game <laughs> that is funny yeah i i hope that uh 343 can turn it around because i have a lot of fond memories of halo that might just be the result of like its place in the culture at the time but like Fuck it, man. It's it's cool to be Spartans and run around it's, and it's, kill Covenant elites. It's one part. It's cool. You know, I mean, like, you remember it because you're a kid and everything's fine, but, like, I have gone back and played the the first three games within the last year, and, like, they do hold up. Like, there is no doubt in my mind that, like, they are a good time. Even even single player, I was having a blast, you know? All right. I just wish to see more of that. Uh, you guys want to take a break before we move into the uh, topic of the show? I know we're moving kind of quick, so uh, I don't. I don't personally need to. I'm good. Cool. All right, so we got we got a meaty one that's gonna take us home, boys. It's it's a long one. It's a bit of a sad one. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, last week, Kotaku's Jason, what a real video games journalist looks like, Schreier, posted a. <laughs> long article called with activision's influence growing blizzard is cutting cost that sort of details the kind of a rough year blizzards had from killing heroes of the storm <laughs> not well not killing heroes of the storm but killing pro heroes of the storm and way scaling <laughs> back the rest of the game to the disaster that was the D- diablo uh infinite announcement it was Diablo Infinite, right? I'm not yeah. that name wrong. No, Immortal. Immortal, sorry. Immortal, sorry, sorry. Well, yeah, we didn't care about it enough to remember the name even, so. Yeah. 
that was that was a shit show to even the controversial release of Battle for Azeroth that uh, a lot of people criticized as being unfinished or feeling unfinished maybe is a more fair way to put it which uh Sean I don't remember you saying the same things but I haven't played it <sighs> yeah um Man, I, I don't know. Uh, I have so many thoughts about this. Just keep going. <laughs> okay. So, um, anyway, Jason Trier in this article details the many ways that uh, Blizzard is trying to quote. Uh, this is this is a quote from an employee trying very actively to find ways to cut costs without drawing that won't draw negative press attention. <laughs> um, and the an example of that from this article is blizzard's career crossroads offering a healthy severance package for people who voluntarily take buyouts and choose to leave the company at first it was designed for customer service reps but now they've opened it up for qa and it and lowered the number of years required to take a buyout uh opening up to even more employees probably in hopes of getting the numbers of people who say hey yeah i'll take the severance package you don't have to keep paying for my health care while i'm on unemployment you can cut your numbers and not look like you're having layoffs. Um, stuff like that. And then I'm going to read just a couple paragraphs straight up from Jason Trier here. So bear with me. Last month, the Kotaku investigation revealed that Blizzard staff have been told to reduce expenses while at the same time produce more games. There are likely several reasons for a shift in priorities, including a lack of consistent output, a weak year for Activision Blizzard overall, and Activision's increasing influence on Blizzard, which has traditionally been an autonomous company but has been overseen by Activision CEO Bobby Kotick since the two companies merged in 2008. That influence has grown this year in many ways, both blatant and subtle. For November's report, we talked to 11 current and former Blizzard employees. Since then, we've heard from even more current and former Blizzard staff about the company's cost-cutting measures and how they've materialized. The Career Crossroads program is one example. Another, according to three Blizzard staff who all re left recently, is a power shift that has seen the finance department cultivate influence that it never had in the past. Finance in general in Blizzard has been one of those invisible functions that's there but doesn't have a say, said one veteran employee who left recently and asked not to be named because they were not authorized to talk to press. Now they're suddenly in meetings. Said a second, who asked not to be named, a lot of decisions now are being driven by business folks, marketing folks, and finance folks. There's a real struggle between developers and the business people. Strategic decisions are being driven by the finance group. These decisions range from major, which technology should we use for this new incubation project, to minor, how much do we spend on BlizzCon goodie boxes this year. It's a major cultural shift, one driven by top executives at the company, including Armin Zerza, who was chief financial officer at the studio before he became chief operating officer in late 2017. Under Zerza, Blizzard has brought in a number of business-minded employees, both from Activision and the consulting company McKinsey, many of whom have different priorities than longtime Blizzard staff or those with development backgrounds. So, Blizzard's always been a company that has been held up and prided as being this, like, devs first, you know, we're not going to release a game we're not comfortable with, screw the financials. They sunk a ton of money into StarCraft Ghost. It was almost done, and they said, this isn't good enough. It's gone. And I'm still upset about that game, but okay. <laughs> yeah. And and now they're being pushed to release more games on uh, lower budgets. And uh, do you think that 
this is a temporary thing? Do you think it's the beginning of the end for, for Blizzard? I know you guys both are, like, pretty attached to a lot of their games and the company as a whole. Uh, between this and Morhaime leaving earlier this year, do you think it's gloom and doom? Or do we think that it's a, a temporary stumble that Blizzard can recover from? We talked uh, a lot about this last week and because of the the hot stuff and um you know it's uh it's really really unfortunate what's going on over at blizzard so hots is not a dead game but the esports side of it is looking like it's on life support uh a lot of players have stepped up and different organizations have stepped up to try to save it and they are trying to create at least it seems like they're trying to create some sort of amateur league that can have funding and stuff like that. I know there are, there's already an amateur league that has existed for HOTS, but they're trying to make it something legit because it's the only thing they're going to have. Um, funnily enough, as an aside, last week I brought up the fact that you couldn't buy uh, specific skins with gold or specific certain specific things. Not gold, I'm sorry. Uh, gems, which is the in-game currency there, uh, or the real money currency or whatever. Um, now you can. They actually are. They actually are changing oh. that as we speak. Did that come out yet? Or uh, it's. Not, I don't believe it's changed yet. But they're doing. That's that's something they announced. It's, it's coming soon. So uh, they're adding in a way to generate money from the game after taking it away. After the HGC is gone. It's kind of weird. But um, putting that aside. Getting back to the article here. Um, I I think this is a, re- a bad sign. Quite frankly. Uh, I think that the way that Blizzard works. Is. Yes they're slow. Yes they, they take their sweet time. And they've never been willing to put out a game. That they didn't feel was up to snuff. Titan is a game that we didn't get. Because Blizzard operates that way. But guess what? Overwatch is the the ultimate result of Titan. And Overwatch is one of the biggest games in the entire world. And that would never have happened if Titan didn't, didn't fold. So I think it's really... It's tough to say that Blizzard's style doesn't work. Because how can you make that claim when... And to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like Jason feels this way on some level. Yeah. Uh, especially when you read the article and some of the comments. How can you make the claim that Blizzard's style doesn't work when Titan birthed Overwatch, World of Warcraft is the only successful MMO, like hyper-successful MMO to launch in the last, what, uh, 14 years since it came out? It took over yeah. the entire genre. And nothing's been able to come close to it since. Exactly. They have the most popular RTS ever in StarCraft uh, that still gets played to this day. I I think Blizzard's brand is Teflon. And you can make you can quibble with mistakes that they've made here or there, but what other developer has this long of a track record of absolute success and dominance in their field? So why would you change that? It doesn't make any sense. And I think this is Activision being greedy, and I just hope that that greed doesn't negatively impact my favorite developer. 
Well said. I agree about their games um, evolving into something else, like you said with Titan. Like, StarCraft was literally just Warcraft in space. And there's a joke in StarCraft for that, because they brought that original Alpha build to an E3, and they were like, this sucks. <laughs> so they right, went back yeah, to the drawing yeah. board and just built everything from the ground up, and, and it became StarCraft as we know it. So were it not for them literally bombing a game, before, you know, people saying this is crap, they wouldn't have made that. So, like, they are a company that certainly strives through adversity and, like, takes the worst and makes fucking coal into diamonds. Uh, I think what Activision is doing is, like, anathema to their company, you know? It doesn't work for their style because this is just how they work, you know? I know that they want to get more money um, somehow or, you know, cut costs or whatever, you know? Whatever the... You don't even need to say it's one of them. It could be anything, right? For whatever money involvement. But... To go in there, this is not a company that looks like an EA that has a million projects going on or something else. They're they're more of a well-oiled machine, and they're going in and throwing kinks in in any direction. You know, I don't think we would have seen Blizzard itself ever drop the Heroes thing um, just because it wasn't making enough money. You know, I feel like that's just they wouldn't. Maybe it's just me. I don't feel like they do that to the fans of the series and the people who worked hard to get where they did. And it's, it's, it's less a matter of money. I think when it comes to the games they create, um, of course it's a motivator, but I think in the long run, they do try to create something that's quality. And, um, I know left last time I left off saying like, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, you know, cautious, optimistic, hope this all works out, but hearing this story doesn't, really add to that optimism in any way it it does confirm like a few of like my worst fears for the company and the direction it's going and it's not necessarily their fault even from all of it you know a lot of it seems to be that there's just interference and i don't think that they're out by a long shot but i don't think that we're going to see the same company do the same stuff even even you know if they push more games out or don't in the future, they are they are already acting different as it is now. So I, I can only imagine how this is going to change into something that, you know, in five years, we might say, oh, well, Old Blizzard, you know, or, you know, the, the new one that we all know that, that doesn't have the pro-consumer attitude in some, in some ways, you know, or just, you know, we get a dip in quality or, you know, there, there's going to be something that they can't keep up with because this is not how they operate. And to flip them into this mode so quickly uh it feels very quick i don't i know they've been partnered with activision for a long time now but um yeah but it doesn't seem like they really sunk their teeth into them as much i mean maybe they did and we just didn't see it because they said the finance department's kind of been there doing their thing you know trying to keep the bad pr away and According to Jason in the article, this really started over the last uh, two years. So yeah, and, yeah, and that's um, what I felt for sure. Um, he says in a, a Jason under in a comment under the article says that um, Titan was seen as the crack in the door that Activision used to start getting in. To okay. Say, oh hey, well, that, it looks like you need our help. Um, that that influx, was a speculative comment. Yeah, that's a speculative comment. Um, true. But the time frame works though. In about yeah, two the years, the time frame works to to push in and say like between that and uh, more hay wanted out earlier this year. Right. Yeah, that's that's another huge thing. I think that should not be understated that 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 he was probably more of a, a 
glue than people realize. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic than you guys are on this one, I think. I think that okay. because uh, the, the comparison that at least Thompson just made was EA. I don't think EA ever had the dedication that Blizzard has. I think that Blizzard has a strong enough, vocal enough, passionate enough base of players and fans to to push back that this can immediately be seen as not just a bad move for the quality of Blizzard, but as a bad business move. Like... Diablo Immortal came out. Everybody hated it and were super vocal about it in a way that uh, the Command and Conquer mobile game. I know that you were really mad about it, Thompson. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't have that level. But it didn't. I get it what you're wasn't saying. like the biggest insult in gaming. Right, year, right. The way that Diablo was. Um, I think that people like you guys who, you know, care deeply about WoW or about StarCraft are ultimately what could save the company from turning into ea i think that this is a stumble and i think that um the immediate short-term losses will make activision rethink what's happening yeah i i like to believe that but i kind of don't man i think activision wants what they want and they're really sort of not on the ground floor in terms of interacting with fans the way that Blizzard is. And, I mean, you like, HGC is such a feel-good thing uh, that, that Blizzard had going for them, and they got rid of it. You know, HOTS was not... HOTS is not really a League of Legends competitor or anything like that, and it's the first game that they put out that really didn't take over the genre. Uh, but it was still, it still is a love letter to Blizzard. And it's kind of weird that that, that that's the game that you would, you know, fall back from given what it's supposed to mean. That smells like a money move. That smells like a, a person in a suit made a decision about that game, not a Blizzard choice. And if Blizzard's hands are tied, that it really doesn't matter what fans feel because Activision is the ones that are running the show. Um, this article talks about potentially 100 layoffs coming in 2019. That's a very large amount of people. And Blizzard is a place where culture matters. And I don't care where you are. You don't just get rid of 100 people from any environment and expect it to not change at all. Or for there to not be a loss, uh, this is I, I I I don't I don't I'm not a doomsayer, and I'm certainly not saying that this is the end of Blizzard, but I think that they'll be changing, and the ways in which they're projected to change don't seem like changes that are in line with the Blizzard that I love. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I definitely think all of your points are valid and I don't know I'm I'm very worried about it even as someone without an attachment to Blizzard because like 
like Pete always likes to say that a healthy, uh, hungry Sony is good for the industry. I think that Blizzard being Blizzard and just like doing its thing is good for video games as a whole. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I feel like we might have hit like, I'm not like, again, I, I, I don't think that divorce is happening, but you know, uh, I, I do feel like we may have hit a tipping point, right? Where it's less a, ma- a matter of like fans outrage or anything or, you know, anything that, you know, we would like to see done uh, with, with him stepping down. And, and like, like you said, Sean, like heroes of the storm really is like Blizzard's love letter to it. Like the fans in itself on top of that. And to like strike at that does feel a little bit, um, you know, weird. It, 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 so I don't think that, you know, we might have as much power as you think, also because I, I do think we're also part to blame for this. Like, yeah, we're the fans that keep these games going, but that's also what's going to keep the games going if they go down the wrong path. And, you know, we're Sean and I may not be happy, but there will be those diehards out there. Yeah, but, you know, whatever. And just get everything just because it's Blizzard, you know. And I hope that that group isn't as big as I think it is, but I just hope that there, this, you know, I like, like, I don't think they're done for by a long shot, but they may not be the company that, you know, in f- even five years from now that I go, well, it's a new Blizzard game. I'll, I'll just assume it's quality. You know, I might have to be more skeptical about it. And that's always fine, you know, to be skeptical about something you're going to purchase. But um sucks to know that for like the last, you know, over, God, over a decade now, I could pretty much just say like, oh, a Blizzard game. And, you know, what is good about it rather than like, what do I not like, you know, what's holding right. me back. It was always more like, yeah, it's going to be good. It may not be for me. Like Overwatch didn't really resonate with me, but it's not a bad game. I have no problem with it. It's just not for me, you know? Um, there really wasn't much until this year even that I was like displeased with Blizzard. You know, the very little they could have done or did do that I can even remember that stuck out. And uh, yeah, that's sucks. <laughs> it's funny to me that you say that about Overwatch because that's how I feel about every non-Overwatch game by Blizzard I've ever played. Yeah. Is like, oh, I understand and can see why this is good, but like, I don't enjoy RTSs very much. Yeah, and I yeah. and I like shooters a lot more than than you do, Andy. I think, and uh, you know, by all accounts, yeah, I, mean, I, I guess I should like Overwatch, but I, I don't know. <laughs> part of the reason I like Overwatch as much as I do is because it's basically Team Fortress Two. Yeah, and I, you know, and I sunk a million hours into Team Fortress One, and then like probably five hundred into Team Fortress Two, and maybe that's why I'm not into Overwatch because it's like I feel like I've just, kind of done played it. that game enough. Yeah, maybe could be. Again, Overwatch is a good game, just I don't really play it. So, yeah, I like I really hope Blizzard, you know, pulls out of this tailspin because it seems like it's going into what could be a very rough couple years. <laughs> yeah, 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 the Blizzard brand. Yeah, man, they're not going to be in not. Kansas anymore if the tornado hits them as hard as it. You know, like they're they're in a spiral for sure. Like the, you, it's the one-two punch in my eyes. Like I, I see it going quicker. Uh, every like this story alone makes me feel like I went down an entire peg of optimism. <laughs> and I'm giving them an in, uh, like a really long rope to hang themselves with, like more than most companies I ever, even more than like fucking Nintendo. And I'll give Nintendo like a gun to, loaded, you know, on top of that. So. Um, please don't do me wrong, Blizzard. <laughs> I believe in you. Uh, so is there anything Blizzard could do right now that would immediately signal to you, like, hey, Blizzard's back? Huh. Immediately? Like, uh, like by like the end of the Diablo year? Yeah. Before announcement today. Would that... Huh. Um... 
if I know that's a super long shot, but I mean, if they straight up were like, "Hey, we're gonna try to bring the heroes tournament back somehow," that would mean at least they had their ear to the ground enough to know that you know that game may not make all the millions of dollars they want, but or need, but um, you know, people care about it still, and that it matters to the people who put time into it, you know, and. This is, I mean, like Diablo Immortal, I mean, like, it's what it is. I don't care about it and don't play it if it's not for you. But the fact that there already was something behind the Heroes game, as maybe not as big as they wanted, but the fact that they took that out does definitely feels like that's the first, like, to me, you know, like, uh, jab at, like, us, <laughs> the players, the community, or whatever you want to see it. Um, and partially, obviously, because I play the game too. It sucks that there's a game I like that's, you know, kind of you know, coughing and wheezing at this point now. <laughs> um, so yeah, just, you know, show some love for that, you know, even that's fine. Or, you know, just something that you heard that this isn't really like cool necessarily. <laughs> uh, is there anything they could do to signal that Blizzard's back? Um, no, honestly, not right now. I think, Right now, anything that they would do would come across as, you know, firefighting. Um, when the fire was set from the inside of the building. Yeah, I can see that. So, yeah, you know, right now, it's kind of just one of those things where everybody needs to feel however they feel about this issue. And whatever is going on at Blizzard slash Activision needs to be sorted. And I think we'll see that situation play out more over 2019. Um, but I don't know that there's any one thing or or, or really anything that we're going to see in 2019 that's going to give us a definitive answer as far as what's going on here. Yeah, I'm afraid of that too. I don't sure. Like, yeah, the only reason I brought up bringing Heroes tournament back is because I don't see anything else on the docket coming up that could make me feel that they're back. You know, there's no game right. that they could say like, I mean, yeah, they could announce another Diablo or something, but right now, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tricky, man. They're, they're not in the best position. Cause like, I have a lot of love for them, but I feel like, uh, all the love in the world isn't good for abusive relationship. And I don't want to turn into that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, that got that's a heavy way to end it. But... <laughs> Dude, you fucking care about Blizzard, man. They're they're a big part of my yeah. life. <laughs> Likewise. I I hope for your guys' sake and for everybody out there who's got an emotional attachment to the company or just any of their games, like I hope that Blizzard gets its house in order. And uh, you know, doesn't continue making weird short-term profits moves that cannibalize goodwill and all these things. But I think that's really all we can say about it right now. Fingers crossed that, you know, this is the last we hear of, oh, Blizzard is, you know, being run by the finance people now. Yeah. Let's hope. Yep. So that's going to do it for us here on episode 87 of the Video Game Pals. Good golly. Uh, if you have thoughts on Blizzard or Halo or these lawsuits or the Sam Raimi Spider-Man suit, email us at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to check us out on Twitter or Instagram, you can follow our sister show at the, 
at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can throw us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. We're currently five-star podcast. We're looking for the sixth, but Apple has stopped responding to my emails, begging <laughs> them to add a sixth star only for this one podcast. <laughs> uh, and if you're on YouTube, you can help us out by subscribing and clicking that notification bell. But most importantly, again, if you could just share the podcast, if you like it with anyone who you think might like it too, we love everybody. That's going to do it here for us. Sean, you want to let the kids know where they can find you? Sure. Uh, So if you want to hear more from me, I am on the Comics Pals. This week we reviewed Aquaman, which uh, I really loved, but not everyone on the podcast was as excited about it as I was. You're going to want to tune into our Aquaman review special to hear that. And then on the show proper, um, we talked about a whole bunch of things. Like the X-Men receiving backlash yet again and pissing off uh, yet another religious organization. Um, and we talked about the tra- X-Men? Why is it always specifically X-Men? I don't know, man. Uh, we also talked about the Hellboy trailer. So lots of cool stuff there rounding out the year on the Comics Pals. And if you want me on social media, I am at Sean Soapbox on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter on oh on Twitter at Rely Vampire. Um, I also like have opinions on video games that aren't on the show, and I play lots of deep cut games like all the stupid Russian games I talk about. So if there's anything out there that you're like, no one's played this, hit me up because what I may have played it, and on top of that, if I haven't, I'll probably get it because I love these dumb games. You know what I'm saying? So hit me up on Twitter. I also do Pals Play with Pete, and uh, I can't convince him to do all the dumb games I want to do, so maybe hit up loud underscore Pete on Twitter as well and say, like, play I Divine Cyromancy and other bad games, because that is uh, something I want, and uh, I want to see him uh, scream like I did, learning how to play them. And then when it, you know, finally clicks in how great the game is, you know, he'll be like, oh shit, I should have played this all along. So, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, hashtag prove Thompson right on Twitter, let's get it trending people. (laughs) That can lead to some dangerous things. <laughs> if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Tiger underscore millions. I'd love to chat with you about, uh, you know, anything from movies to JRPGs to superheroes to Aquaman. Although, if you try to talk to me about Aquaman, I'll probably tell you to sh- talk to Sean. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, we can talk about Aquaman for sure. <laughs> So that's going to do it for us here. Tune in next week for a very special Video Game Pals Game of the Year edition of the Video Game Pals. That sentence made no sense, but I'm going to leave it. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you, guys.